Hi, I'm Dan Hornberger, the host of Breaking Chains, the podcast that focuses on the grassroots of disc golf, the amateurs, the local clubs, the individuals who make a difference, and those who have had their lives changed because of the sport. Brandon Merslock, who's also known as Mook, has been involved in disc golf for an impressive 22 years. He is not only the owner of Infinite Discs Tour, but also the Infinite Discs team manager. Brandon spoke with me from his home in St. George, Utah. All right, Brandon, let's talk about you first. Who's, who is Brandon Merzlock? Uh, who's Brandon Merzlock? Brandon Merzlock is, uh, I've been playing in the game for 22 years. I'm originally from Idaho, a little town called Pocatello, Idaho. It's kind of just outside of Yellowstone National Park. So 42 years old, so I'm a master player. I was born in Idaho and um, I uh, went to college in Idaho at Idaho State University. It's kind of weird to talk about yourself. Um, I've been married for about 20 years. It'll be 20 years here in May. And I have three kids who, who um, my two boys disc golf. I've got a 17-year-old boy, Ben, and a 13-year-old boy, Calvin. And then I've got a, a daughter as well who's going to turn 16 here on Saturday. Does she play disc golf as well? Uh, no, she'll play. She'll come and walk with us and things. She likes being out on the course, but she doesn't really play competitively. Okay. How about your wife? My wife is, uh, she does many things, but disc golf is really not one of them. <laughs> so even though it's pretty much in, 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 inbred in her life, she, she is, uh, she does jujitsu and MMA, things like that. Oh, so you don't want to mess with her is what you're telling me. Yeah. She, she's, she's about uh, a third of my weight and I could not take her down if I tried. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get involved with disc golf? Well, I lived in Wisconsin for a couple years, just north of Milwaukee, a little town called Grafton. Um, me and a buddy of mine were, were rooming together and we were bored one day and we went down to a little park called Lime Kiln Park. We had a couple of Frisbees in our apartment and we decided to go give it a try. So honestly, we didn't have anything else to do. So we was like, let's go try this thing. So, And, and these, were, these, were, these were lids or these were disc golf discs? No, they were, they were just lids. Okay. They were your dollar frisbees. We didn't know any better. So we went down and played, uh, played this little nine hole course. And I'll tell you what, we just, we just loved it. So as soon as the disc hit the chains, we were in love. And, um, you know, back then this was 1997 at the time, back then there weren't as many courses, even though there was a ton in Wisconsin for, uh, respectively, um, but we uh, we moved around the state a little bit, and we even moved this little town called Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin, and there wasn't a course there. So we we used to make our own holes. <laughs> uh, any chance we could get to go out there and throw a Frisbee, we would. You know, and it wasn't until about four or five months later when we actually hit uh, another real disc golf course, High Stand Park in Madison. And uh, my first disc was a lost disc that I found. Of all the interviews, I, I have not asked this to anyone. I'm, I'm thinking 20 years ago, where in the world would you buy discs? Uh, well, back then, you know, a lot of clubs were the store. Yeah. I mean, I would tell you this, that the whole time that I lived in Wisconsin, I never bought a disc. I would, I would lose a disc in the woods and I would find another one and I didn't know any better 
to, to call. I don't even know if there are names on them back then, but I never bought a disc until I moved back to Idaho and Idaho state university just put in a brand new course and there was a club that was established and they were the store. Okay. And what's the, what's the scene, what's the disc golf scene like in Idaho? Well, Idaho, when I first started playing, that was uh, the third course that was ever installed in the state was the one that what I started playing on. It's called Bingo Ridge disc golf course in Pocatello. And, um, there, there was a club there that was pretty, um, active and, and, uh, excited to get disc golf going. So I think that that was, there was a club there called the Portland Valley disc golf club. And there was a club in Boise, the gym state disc golfers. And, um, that was about it. There might've been something in Northern Idaho, but Northern and Southern Idaho were really separated by a ton of mountains and they weren't really connected, but there was a course up there. Were you interested in other sports when you were growing up? Yeah, absolutely. So in high school, um, my number two sport still is, is basketball. I love it to death. So if I can get out and play basketball whenever I can, I, I love it. And that's what I did growing up was basketball and a ton of baseball as well. I had one of those dads in baseball who was the coach. He was always the loudest guy on the sideline, embarrassed us, you know, yelling at the ref or the umpire or whatever, you know. And then, you know, I think I get, I think I kind of get my leadership skills from him, though. <laughs> Not that I yelled at anybody, but but I, I I do organize things. He he organized men's fast pitch like softball. Okay, I don't even know as a thing anymore. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. But he organized men's fast pitch, and when I got done with you know little league baseball, I played fast pitch softball with my dad. Oh, that had to be great. Oh man, it was crazy. <laughs> so I grew up in a dugout pretty much. What was the shift from those sports to disc golf? What happened? Just that, that moment when you went out to play with your buddy? Um, no, I don't think so. I think it was a sense of, you know, the first time I went out and played disc golf when I moved back to Idaho, I met one of the club members. His name was Brady. And, uh, he was so excited about the sport and bring me into the club that I just attached to that. And I wanted to be a part of that. I was, I already loved the sport. I've been playing, you know, pretty recreationally for a while, but baseball is, you know, something where you've got to get a group of friends or you've got to have some kind of organization to come out and play the same with basketball. We all know disc golf, you can just pick up your disc and go out and play whenever you want. Yep. But then when you have that added benefit as a, of an organization and friends who are going out with you and helping you get better and compete, man, I really, I really caught a hold of that and I wanted to be a part of it. That's great. What is it about the sport that you love the most? Well, I, I hate to say this, but, but everything, <laughs> you know, if you would have asked me 20 years ago, it, it would have been, you know, the flight of the disc and the sound of the chains. Um, I was, I was a hundred percent a player back then, but when I look back on the last 22 years, everything, not everything, but a lot of things that I am now come from the sport, whether it be the friends that I've made or the jobs that I've had, uh, the, the road trips I've taken vacations, they've all been centered around the sport. So they're everything. So that's, that's a great answer. You've been employed in some kind of job regarding disc golf for how long? Well, full time, two years now. Um, I really, I really have never gotten paid for disc golf before two years ago. Okay. So before that I was, I was just a pioneer and I just loved the game and I would run a tournament. I would organize leagues just all, I never made a penny off of it. Okay. I got to ask you, I know you're in Utah. What, what's the weather like in Utah right now? Well, it's 54 degrees and sunny where I'm at. Nice. 
<laughs> so I'm in I'm in St. George, Utah, which is right on the Arizona uh, Nevada border, so we're like a two hours outside of Vegas. Oh, okay. So it's the desert. It's um, it's beautiful and it's and it's sunny. I'm envious because I'm a Raiders fan, and two hours away, I'd actually be able to go see them play. Oh yeah, for sure. Talk about Infinite Disc. How did they begin, and and how much have they grown over the last few years? You know, they've been around for about seven years. 2012, I think, is when they officially started. I, I can see this about Infinite. I, I didn't help them start, but they wouldn't be around if it wasn't for me. So I moved to a, a town in northern Utah called Logan. It's its own little place. Didn't have any disc golf, really, except a course that played around the university dorm rooms. There wasn't really much disc golf until I got into town. And this is this this is a process that's been repeated over and over again in my career where I move in a place and I start up disc golf and it starts to grow. I met uh, I met Alan Barker and Kirk Southbury, who were the, who, uh, were the, the owners of Infinite when it started. I, I met them before the company started. They had a little re- disc golf review website. Went out and uh, reviewed some discs with them one day. It was really funny because these guys, they know the internet like nobody I know. And it's one of the reasons and they're so successful. But I went out and reviewed and they had these manufacturers send them free discs, you know, to review. And I'm like, this is great. (laughs) You know, I went out there and Kirk is throwing, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not miss saying this when I say it. He's throwing a 360 flick or forearm. Oh my. So yeah, that's not a thing. (laughs) to review the discs and I'm like well okay <laughs> so anyway we got I got disc golf started in that valley and that's that's where infinite picked up and took off you know they started from you know they were they, they had a little room in uh, in the business that they owned they were doing real estate um, internet sites at the time and they had a little room where they were just sending out a disc here and there it was a side business for them. It really was. Yeah, it really was. It started out as a disc review thing and then it turned into infinite and they just, um, they just started to grow and, you know, it was a little, as any businesses, it was a little rocky at first and, and Kirk decided that it wasn't for him at the time and he was bought out of the business and Alan's the sole owner of that now, but, uh, Alan's a great businessman and he, uh, he's, he's watched that thing grow from nothing to what it is now arguably the largest retailer in the world. Right. They just expanded, didn't they? They're, they're building a big warehouse. Yeah. So they, they don't have the roof on it yet, but right now, a year and a half ago, they built a 40,000 square foot warehouse and they quickly grew out of it. They have no room <laughs> at all. And so now they've added another, they're adding another 100,000 square feet onto the warehouse now. So, which is going to allow us to do just so much more than what we're doing now, not just terms of having more inventory, but other things as well. We are getting a new stamping machine that we're bringing in house that we're really excited about. It's a double stamping machine. Cool. That's going to allow us to, uh, to be a lot more versatile than we have been in the past. And Infinite started its own disc line. Was it two years ago? Yeah, about two years ago. And we've already got 16 molds out. Yeah. Egyptian based which I think is rather cool. Yeah, we love it. Is, is the job there what took you from Idaho to Utah or were you in Utah before? You know, I've kind of gone back from Idaho and Utah a bunch. Um, the reason I'm down here in St. George was because I got sick of the snow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's the bottom line is I wanted to play disc golf more. And, and uh, man, I tell you what, I get cabin fever somewhere around March, April, and I think the snow should be gone and I get pretty upset if it's not. <laughs> and so I just told my wife I had a career change and I said, you know, 
what? We're going to head south. And we decided either St. George, Utah, or we were thinking of Flagstaff as well. And the cost of living was a little bit better here. And so we picked St. George. That's great. So the, besides the warehouse, anything big on the horizon for Infinite? Um, that I can talk about? Yeah, that you can talk about. <laughs> I, I think I've said all I can say right now, but we have, we're, we're excited for 2020. This is going to be another breakout year for us. Um, there will be some very, very cool and exciting news that's going to pop up this year. I just can't say anything now. I love what people say that because that means there's going to be something awesome. Talk about the the Infinite team, uh, the, those local players who you guys choose as representatives for Infinite. You know, I think it's a great program. And have you seen a lot of success because of it? You know, it's, it's interesting you ask that because I I have actually just taken over as the team, team captain for Infinite. And when you when you say local players, I'm not sure exactly what you mean because we have almost a hundred players nationwide. In that application, you you send out this um, this announcement that you're looking not just for pros. You're looking for amateur players who are good representatives in their communities. And, and I think that's such a great thing. Yeah, it really is. I mean, uh, you know, when you look at a lot of the top players nowadays, the sports getting to a point where they're, they're going to be pretty costly to bring on board. We'd love to have them. You know, we brought some on board. Drew Gibson lately, you know, we're excited to have him. We're, we're transitioning. We, our team has always been more of an amateur-focused team. People who are behind the scenes running tournaments or running leagues, things like that. Um, we, we really think that those are the people who are the backbone of this sport. I agree 100%. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to when it comes to who we choose as team members, I mean, that that's what I look as a priority first is people who are who are active, you know, online, uh, maybe on YouTube, those people who are running events or helping out with events or helping out to grow the sport with either kids or women's disc golf. Those are my priorities. Yes, we have some great players on our team and we love them to death. And they, and they are also a, a huge mentors and influencers as well. But from my background, that's how I see it is those people who often don't get mentioned are the people who are pushing it the hardest. All right. So you're the team director. What does that entail? What do you, what do you need to do? Well, right now it's, it's, it's uh, answering about 200 messages about, am I going to be on the team or not? <laughs> so I'm pretty overwhelmed right now. Um, it's, it's really Really, you know, managing, you know, about 100 or less players and ambassadors across the nation, making sure that they have the tools that they need to grow the sport in their area. So right now we're, we're, um, we're focusing on what we can do better as far as providing those kind of benefits to our team players and ambassadors and uh, motivating them to go out and, and basically spread the good word of infinite discs. That's what they're doing. Um, we do send them out, you know, our new releases so that they, we can get them in their hands. And what they do is they help us establish, you know, maybe flight ratings or numbers on those discs, get them into the hands of other people so that they can see how good they are. A lot of travel for you during the year? Yeah, this year will be the most. I, I am actually an owner of Infinite Discs Tour, which is a, a division of Infinite Discs. Okay. But I own that part of the business. And so what I do is I'm actually on the road full time. Oh, boy. It's a very unique situation because I am married and I do have three teenagers. And we all tour together. Well, hey, that's great then. Yeah. Well, wait, maybe it's not. <laughs> do you, uh, this is very, you don't personal, but do you homeschool the kids then? I do. Yeah, they're on an online school. Okay. So you're constantly on the road. Where, where are you going first this year? So on the 20th, we leave down to uh, Maricopa for the Maricopa Open. And that's sponsored by Infinite Discs. 
Okay. So if you get on our website, there's actually two different websites. We have infinitedisc.com is a retail site. Infinitediscgolf.com is more of an informational site that we have. And that actually leads you onto the tour. It has a whole map and schedule of everywhere that we're going to be this year. Okay. Is it primarily, do you primarily follow the, the big tournaments, the pros? It's on, it's off and on, you know, and the thing about it is, is that every year it's something different because we hit a tournament and we say, you know, we really didn't do well. We need to find something different that weekend. And for us being a, a vendor uh, of Infinite and all of the manufacturers, honestly, we, we carry everything on the road. There isn't an opportunity to be at every tournament because your local pro shop or whatever might be hosting a tournament and they're using that event you know, for their, right. their business. And we don't want to impede on that. We want, we want, we want it to grow. We don't want to come into town and take out something local. The goal of breaking chains is to continue to grow the sport through inspiration. If you or someone you know has a unique story and is willing to share, please send an email to either breakingchainsdg at gmail.com or rockfishproductions at gmail.com. This episode's guest is Brandon Mook Merslock. In the episode's second half, Brandon talks about retail shops versus online stores and what he believes propels our sport. This is Breaking Chains. Two weeks ago, I interviewed uh, one of the managers that played against sports here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And uh, I think it's one of the few retailers nationally who sells discs other than, you know, Dick's or you know, the, the, the department stores that have the starter sets. And I, I'm wondering, Brandon, if, if the, the retail end of it is sort of dying out, you know, is it, is it all going to be online? Because, you know, face it, I, I don't know how it is out there, but around here, and I'm talking South, Southeastern Pennsylvania, we might have maybe two stores in a 300 mile radius. And that's it. Right. It does. It does take quite a bit to be able to maintain a local shop. And I've been there too. I've had a local shop as well. I don't know what to say about that. Um, I don't think that everything's going to be online. You know, what's funny about me is, is that I, I, I work for infinite discs, but I see how much the, our customers appreciate the ability to be able to feel and see a disc in person mm -hmm. before they buy. I think one reason that online is so popular right now is obviously pricing, but a lot of local shops just don't have the inventory, right? You know that you need to be able to satisfy everybody who walks in there. Yeah, one of my former guests, uh, actually, his name is Eric Guest. He uh, he told me about Maine disc golf or disc golf in the in the state of Maine, which is quite different in that area than it is almost in any part of the world because he told me that the majority of courses there are pay to play, and those courses have beautiful pro shops that are stocked with almost every brand and carts and things like that. But see, you come out of Maine and, and we don't see that. There are no pro shops. And it's different wherever you are in the country. I mean, it really is. I mean, uh, Lancaster, well, Pennsylvania, that's where Am Worlds was, that area, right? Last year. The Lancaster, York area. 
Yeah, so I remember that we stopped into one. I'm trying to remember where we even were. Anyway, I can't remember the name of the shop, but I do remember one of the stores down there, and um, and it was it was exactly as I described. It's just you know they just didn't have everything that everybody needed, and and one of the, and the problem with that is ever increasing because now we're having more manufacturers, more discs, more colors, more weights, you know, and and you run into disc golfers who want all pink discs or they want yellow discs. I ran into a guy who has a different color for every speed of discs that he has. If you're going to try to cover all of that as a pro shop, it just it takes a lot of money for that and space for that kind of inventory. Yeah, I mean, disc golfers are funny. They're they're awesome. But I always say, you know, disc golfers are crazy about plastic and I love it. But what, you, what you're starting to see is as well as you'll have the pro shops that align to a certain manufacturer. And if you... If you get some, you know, a group of disc golfers who aren't in line with that manufacturer as well, then you're not getting the business. Right. I, I don't, I don't know if retail's dead or not. I mean, I, I honestly consider myself part of that group because I'm taking a store out on the road. It's no different than having a, a brick and mortar. It's just mobile. Yeah, but I think I think Infinite addresses it beautifully. The, their website is, you know, the inventory is right there. You see what you're going to get. The information on Infinite is fantastic. You get to see the flight, uh, the ratings. And I really, I love reading the reviews. So I think you guys are doing it right. I, I really do. Yeah, thank you. I think it's really our customers who make us great. You know, they're willing to put those reviews on there. You know, it's it's that's one thing that makes us so successful is is that we have the information that you need for whatever disc you're buying. Okay, so back to your job. What what do you what are you most looking forward to this year? What am I most looking forward to this year? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm just from. <laughs> I don't, I really don't know. I'm so, and the reason I say that is because I'm just, I'm ready to get on the road. You know, I've been, I've been uh, stationary for about two and a half months and I'm just ready to get back on the road. And when it comes to what am I most excited for just the next tournament, honestly, they're all fun. They're all great. Um, I get to play in them. I get to, I get to do business at them. I get to meet new folks. I mean, it happens every week. You do get to seek out and play the courses, right? Yeah. So, you know, the great thing about it being a family business is, is that I can sign up and play for a tournament and my family who's not playing can watch the store and take care of it while I'm out playing. Nice. And they, they are happy to let me do that for now. (laughs) That answers the next question. That has to be the best part of the job. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, when I, when I started another company, I didn't get to play at all before. I just, all I did was work and it didn't matter if I was at a tournament or not, but with where I'm at now, I'm not killing myself. And I can go out and I can play, you know, seven, eight times a week. And uh, I can go out and play with my kids or I can go out and play with a team member in the area and I can meet new people and see new courses. And it really is living the dream. That's great. Okay. Last question before we get to the rapid fire, Brandon, what do you think is the best way to grow the sport? Well, that's a great question because there's many best ways to grow the sport. There really is. It depends on who you are. You know, in my position, I have a lot of I have a lot of tools at my disposal to help grow the sport. You know, and I've got a I've got a hundred person team to back me up. But in my opinion, you know, the way that I've always approached the sport and how to grow it is, I think everything trickles down from the top. And what I mean by that is professionalism and competition. So yes, we might have grassroots players and recreational players who really don't want to get involved with competition, but disc golf is still still affected by that. 
if we have a tournament coming to town, there are people who are readying the course, making it nicer, trimming it, making sure the tee pads and the baskets are all up to snuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just remember, you know, you know, I told you basketball is one of my favorite sports. When, when I grew up, I was two hours away from Salt Lake City. You know, the Jazz were really big. Carl Malone, John Stockton yeah. were, were the, you know, big players back then. They were battling Michael Jordan in the playoffs. And I would watch, I would watch those games. I would grab my basketball in the commercial breaks. I'd go out and I'd shoot hoops. I wasn't a competitor or anything in basketball. I liked playing it because I saw these guys play it. Yeah. So that's what I think. That's what I think propels our sport. The bigger we get on the professional and competitive edge, that will all trickle down to a five-year-old playing disc golf. We see these we see these guys play on Joe Maz or Central Coast, and that might motivate a lot of people to go out there and play, just like you did. You went outside and shot basketball. Right. Yeah, I completely, I completely agree. You know, I mean, uh, you know, with the media that we have coming on board and your access to different shots, where we're just getting like from Jomez on the off season, we're just getting an array of replays and highlights and things like that. I mean, you could be the worst disc golf out there, disc golfer out there, but you go and watch a Jomez video and watch Simon Lazat throw a ridiculous roller. You're going to go out the whole one on your course and think you're Simon Lazat and you're going to roll with it. Honestly. Right. It's time for the rapid fire round. To conclude each episode of Breaking Chains, I'll fire 10 random questions at my guests. Some of the questions will be disc golf related, others not so much. Okay, Brandon, here we go. Do you carry your bag or do you use a cart? Both. I, I live in I live in the Rockies, man. I'm either on a grass course or I'm up in the mountains, and I love a cart when I can use it. But there's sometimes it's it's worse than it's better. Okay. A one putter round. Which putter are you using? A Streamline Pilot. Favorite movie? Groundhog Day. If you could play 18 with any pro, male or female, who would it be? That's uh, easy. It'd be Macbeth. That, that's the overwhelming answer. Have you ever attended one of the pro tour events? I was on staff for one. And uh, you know what? I'll add one here. What's your favorite one? What's my favorite pro tour event? Yeah. Oh, Le Ledgestone. I like love to Ledgestone. Okay. Do you regularly take mulligans during a solo casual round? No, I'm too competitive. Favorite restaurant? Um, I, I love Texas Roadhouse. I know it's a chain, but I love the ribs. Wooded or bomber courses? What do you prefer? Bomber. Okay. Favorite TV show? Right now or overall? Overall. I, I, uh, well, let's say uh, Scrubs. I love Scrubs. I keep watching over and over again. Last question. Best course you ever played? Oh, it's got to be Winthrop Gold. I love that course. Why is that? Um, the difficulty of it, the danger of the out of bounds, the variety of shots. You know, I said I like bomber courses. It's a more open course in the, in the east, but it also provides a variety of, of wooded holes and, and out of bounds, things like that. So you just have to be on your game. wraps up this episode of Breaking Chains. You can find out more information on Brandon and Team Infinite on the show's website, www.rockfishproductions.com. While you're there, check out the bios from all the guests who have been on the show. Bill McLeod wrote and performed the music pieces in today's episode. They include the show's theme, Unwritten Return, Plain Loafer, and Big Rock 
All three are available at Incompetech.com. This podcast is copyrighted by Rockfish Productions, LLC.